Welcome to the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. I am your host, Dylan, and I am an alcoholic. Today is a, another solo episode of the Fun and Sobriety Podcast. Um, another sequestered episode, maybe, is a way to put it. Uh, I'm recording this on Easter Sunday of 2020, April 12th, 2020. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I've uh, been pacing around for a few minutes before I hit go on the recorder because I'm not uh, clear what it is that I'm going to talk about. Um, I, all I know is I am here alone in my house. Uh, well, alone in my room. I guess my kids are upstairs. Um, and, you know, just like the rest of us, we've, I've been, we've been... Stuck inside for quite a while now, several weeks, um, and that has nothing to do with why I was wandering around, other than I wasn't anticipating why I was wandering around before recording, that is, um, trying to decide what to talk about, um, and that, that has nothing directly to do with it, other than, um, I don't know, Easter, this time of year is a significant part of my uh, sobriety story, my recovery story. And, uh, when all of this physical isolation stuff began a few weeks ago, um, it occurred to me in the back of my mind, at least that maybe this would still be happening. Maybe I'd still be whatever, let's call it housebound, um, leading into, uh, you know, my, my anniversary. Uh, and at the time that didn't seem plausible because that was several weeks away and, I don't know, it seemed at the time like we were going to do this for a couple of weeks and then, I don't know, go back to normal. I, I don't know. I, I don't think any of us were really thinking that far ahead, to be frank. I think we were all just trying to figure out what we were doing right now. Uh, anyway, that's a rambling. I'm probably going to do a lot of rambling since I guess that's what this podcast, that should be the, the subtitle uh, of this podcast, rambling, just rambling. Um but the point is, I didn't anticipate that preceding Easter, I would literally have just been home, right? Well, I guess literal is is rough. I mean, I've gone to the store and, and I do go on walks with the dogs and, uh, you know, on runs and stuff. But it, it certainly feels very isolating nonetheless. Lots of staying inside when normally I'd want to go out and do shit because there's just nothing to do. And I didn't anticipate that that's what would be preceding this portion of the, of my, of my year. I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant there because it sounds like I'm taking ownership of this part of the year, but this, this part of the year, this time of year is potentially rough for me and I, you know, like so many people preceding a, a, a sobriety anniversary, you know, I get the same uh, similar levels of like anxiety and antsiness and agitation and, you know, just a, a sense of like, oh, something's up, something's up. And um, it doesn't happen as much now. Um, 
but it certainly did five years ago. And, and into the first five years, you know, every every year, you know, every year coming around the anniversary of my sobriety date, um, I, as far as I could tell from what I've heard from other people and people sharing, you know, it, it's a common thing to get agitated like that. And so thinking ahead weeks ago that maybe I would still be in you know, relative isolation leading up to my birthday, that, that felt alarming. And that's part of why I was like, nah, I don't even want to think about that. I mean, you know, not, not so much active avoidance as, well, it's nothing to worry about now because it's not happening yet. So leading into today and, and more poignantly last night, the night before Easter, uh, you know, thinking ahead of it, I wasn't sure if I would be weird, right? I wasn't sure if there would be just a sense of weird dis-ease. And I'm here to report that I I don't have that. Um, And I, I, I don't know how else to put it other than I feel okay. And, um, you know, that's, not significant in and of itself, but, but here's the deal, right? Like my, my sobriety story basically begins on the, uh, well, Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday of 2009, which is to say I went out, uh, Saturday night preceding Easter in 2009, I went, um, you know, I, I had been three months sober at that point. Um, I, I'm not entirely uh, accurate as the exact number of days because preceding then, I was not taking it with the same level of significance as I learned um, to take it, right? Like, I had a vague idea of exactly when my sobriety date was. I had not collected any coins, but it had been just in hindsight, thinking back to exactly how much time it must have been, it had been over three months, right? And like I said, it wasn't like I collected a coin. It wasn't like I had a sobriety date in mind. I just knew, hey, yeah, no, I'm sober. And that was my state of mind, right? I I, I basically... How did that work? I had a, a seizure January 4th of 2009 and went to treatment for three weeks and then got out of treatment and um, <clears throat> sort of attended meetings. I mean, I attended meetings on a regular basis, but I, 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 I wasn't present. I wasn't present. I wasn't present at the meetings. I wasn't present in my life. I wasn't wasn't doing anything. I was just not drinking, right? And And I... I guess I've talked about this before on the podcast, but, you know, that, that period was, um, you know, what I've referred to before as the difference between being sober and just not drinking. You know, I was, I was not drinking. And on that Saturday night preceding Easter of 2009, I was not drinking and I went out. Um, I think what was my girlfriend worked super early in the morning. So we hung out. Uh, you know, in the evening and then she went to bed early, which was, you know, our routine when she had to work, she had to work at like four in the morning or something ridiculous. And so I, I bid her adieu and went on with my evening, which in that evening, for whatever reason, I, I went out dancing. Um, and it was fun and fine and, you know, 
silly and stupid and, and in hindsight, not as much fun as it probably could have been. And, but it was a warm night and I was enjoying myself and, and, and I, I closed the bar down. I, I, I remember dancing with a, a handful of people who were also sober and that was kind of cool, right? They were, <laughs> I mean, they were like, <laughs> they were foreign exchange students from where I could gather or maybe they were, you know, non, non-American non uh, Asian students who were at BSU and so, you know, they were all blown off steam too. So it was whatever. It was one of those like, yeah, we're, we're doing this thing until the middle of, you know, until two in the morning and it was stupid but fun and sweaty and whatever. And then I, I found my way back to my house, which is to say my parents' house, because I was still living at my parents' house. And, um, and, uh, for, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know the details. I just know that my parents were out of town, right? They had, I don't know where they went for that week. I don't remember at all what was happening. I was, again, I wasn't paying a great deal of attention to anything in my life, least, at least of all my parents who were providing all of my, uh, ability to live at that point and I shouldn't say least of all my parents but included in that is my parents and and so I don't know and obviously I knew they were out of town at the time and so I knew I was coming home to an empty house and being that I was a 36 year old man living with his parents I was happy to have some space to myself and I found my way to uh I <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to make this melodramatic. I, I wound up drinking whiskey, right? Like I got home uh, at whatever, 2.30 in the morning, however long it took me to get, get on my bike and ride home. And was still kind of keyed up, not ready to sleep yet. So I threw in a VHS copy of Terminator 2 uh, and uh, Rise of the Machines. Is that what that was called? Yeah, you know, arguably the best Terminator. Um, put it on and was enjoying myself, eating some chips and salsa and the thought occurred to me at whatever, 2.30 in the morning, huh, maybe I'll drink some of that Maker's Mark. Because I'd seen Maker's Mark up in my parents' cabinet a few weeks prior to that. And I had done that thing where I kind of intentionally ignored it, made sure I wasn't thinking about it, but never lost sight of, never lost awareness that it was sitting up in a cabinet above, like, the nice whatever wine glasses or whatever at my parents' house. And at 2.30 in the morning, that Easter Sunday, technically it was Easter Sunday at that point, I decided, hey, what the fuck? A, a big glass of that Maker's Mark with a little bit of ice in it, that will be fucking awesome. And what the hell, I'll just restart my counter tomorrow. I mean, and again, it's not like I was taking that counter seriously in the first place. I couldn't tell you in that moment how many days sober I was, even though it couldn't have been more than 95 days, possibly maybe 100. But I couldn't have told you that in that moment because I didn't really think of it that way. I didn't really think of it other than something to say was happening in my life, a badge to wear on my sleeve, something to make sure the people in my life, my parents, my family, my girlfriend, my sister, that they understood that I was taking this seriously. They had all watched me fall apart. They had witnessed the destruction. They had seen all of the shit that I had done. 
And so I was, you know, being a good boy. And there I was, possibly the first time alone. I don't think it was the first time I was alone. It was possibly, though. It was certainly the first time I was facing, like, an entire week alone in a house, in the house. And I was just, didn't give a fuck, right? Like, later when I got into treatment, I um, was trying to relay and, and explain or, or come up with some beautiful explanation for what happened that night and why I decided to drink. Because I drank, you know, I drank that glass of whiskey and I just kind of fell asleep on the couch. I wouldn't even say passed out. I just fell asleep. I had that nice warm sensation in my stomach and and I didn't feel any guilt. I didn't feel anything. I was just like, yeah, that felt great. And in the morning, I, I just... You know, like I said, I, I, I was going to start over, and I did. I just started over. I, I drank two-thirds of the remaining bottle of whiskey in there and went on with the rest of my day, and I, I wasn't sober from that minute forward until, I don't know, 10 days later, right? Like I had almost two weeks of just, I don't even know what happened. And, and, and I mean, I have ideas of what happened, but, you know, at 2.30 in the morning that Easter Sunday, as I was trying to relay and, and explain that during the, the family therapy session of, of the treatment center that I wound up at, at, at the, uh, the Walker Center during the, like, the family week, and I, I had gone to great lengths of like writing this very detailed and semi-eloquent explanation of where my head was and what's going on in my life and and just a, a kind of a rough idea of what what problems and challenges preceded my my turmoil and what would cause me to to decide that it was okay to drink that glass of whiskey and, and at that night and then proceed to just start fucking hammering it down for the next 10 days you know and this this old in my memories, an old hippie guy. Maybe he was just wearing a tie-dye type shirt and he had a beard. Um, he certainly seemed like a professor. Let's call him a professorly type person. Listen to my story. He was there uh, as a family member for some other person in the group. And, and he heard my story and, and he, he put it in... He, he commented in a way that has stuck with me ever since. You know, and he he was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty smart guy and intellectual. I... Uh, you know, I, 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 I used to drink all the time and I couldn't stop drinking and I, and I would try and intellectualize what it was about it and what it was about me and, and why I couldn't get myself to stop drinking and why I couldn't think my way through it. And, <clears throat> and the way he put it, because the guy had like 20 years of sobriety, at least that's what he said, was that, you know, one day... He said, one day I just woke up and realized that I wanted to be drunk more than I wanted to be sober. And it was no more complicated than that. And that, that struck me in the middle of that group, family, whatever you call it, the, the, the family session, right? Like that stuck with me because I, I had this like five pages, single spaced back and front and back of, you know, trying to detail all of the things about me that made this happen and made it significant and made my choices in there, like almost inevitable, like anything to like try and approach this problem 
from the, 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 the manner that I'm used to, which is to say like thinking about it and contemplating it and coming up with a solution or a series of solutions to, to test and things to try to, in order to get things to work or see what does work and what doesn't work. And all. any number of intellectual activities that I would engage in and was engaging in even in that treatment center to try and figure out what my problem was. And this guy just laid it out there simple, right? Because the simplest solution is probably it. I just wanted to get drunk, right? And I wanted to get drunk more than I wanted to be sober. And, and, and that's 11 years ago now when that happened, 11, 11, Sunday, or 11 Easter Sundays ago. And I have yet to have any reflection or rethinking of it change that point of view because no matter what, no matter how I think of it, no matter how I'm feeling about it on any given Easter or any day of the year, but Easter we're talking about, nothing changes that simple fact, man. I just wanted to be drunk, right? Because that's the truth. Like when he said that, I could just, it's like I could feel a little lick of thirst inside me go, yeah, that's right. Because that, that was it. I just visualized dropping a couple ice cubes into a tumbler and then filling that motherfucker with Maker's Mark, letting it chill for a second, and then splash it all down my throat. And that burning sensation, I was just all I wanted. And I didn't give a fuck what that meant after the fact. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, anybody familiar with addiction even vaguely understands or at least has heard that, you know, our brains are the problem and they're also the only way that we have to process the problem. So it's like we're using the tool that's trying to destroy us as a way to avoid destroying ourselves. Right. And that's, that's how that really resonates with me is like, I I knew, I knew better. I knew that that wasn't going to be okay, but none of that shit occurred to me that night. None of it even, I wouldn't even say like I avoided thinking it. It never even came close to being a conscious thing to consider what might happen, what, you know, what, what was going to happen in the morning other than, well, I'll just start over not drinking in the morning. Cause I just wanted to get drunk. And that's terrified me, right? Ever since that guy said that. And I, 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 I hitched there because I I was about to interpret it into this narrative that said from that moment forward and my entire uh, experience in the treatment center changed dramatically and I had a whole new vision on life. I I don't know how accurate that is. I don't remember the timeline exactly. I do know that my stay at Walker Center contained dozens, hundreds of similar such epiphanies of varying degrees of significance all of which are summarized by I changed, right? I changed. I was in that treatment center and I was there because I knew I was broken and I knew I wasn't doing it right before and I was terrified at coming out and finding myself in a similar situation some number of days or weeks or months or even years in the future after having gone through all this, after having made whatever adjustments I was hoping I was making, I was praying I was making, I was crossing my fingers, were taking hold. I changed, you know, I changed in that 
treatment center. But every Easter, right, preceding every Easter, I have this kind of agitating sense that, oh, yeah, this is this is when it all fucking really hit the fan for you, right? Like, because I did. I, 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 like I said, I woke up the next morning. I, I finished most of that bottle. I went and did a couple things. I made an excuse. I was supposed to pick up my kids after they were done celebrating Easter with their mom and, and all of her friends and family. And, and I made an excuse, made it sound like I was sick. Cause I guess I was sick, but you know, I was pretending like I was pukey and vomiting or whatever. And, and she didn't like me. She didn't want to send the kids over with me anyway. So she was more than happy to, to be like, yeah, no, don't, don't take them. And I just went out drinking, man. I went out drinking. And like I said, I stayed drunk for, for the next few days. And, and I, I, I don't I don't know I don't know if I want to go into the real ugly shit that I wound up doing right I didn't I didn't kill anybody I didn't I didn't hurt anybody not physically I I certainly hurt I certainly hurt my ex-wife I certainly hurt my children emotionally I mean I was I you know cuz here I was 90 some odd days no longer fucking a drunken nightmare as far as they could tell, you know, perhaps becoming vaguely willing to trust me again, right? Like a hundred days in, you know, there's still a sense of, yeah, well, you know, maybe things can turn around. Maybe this guy's doing these, doing this, doing is what he's supposed to be doing. And, you know, my, my friends and my family are to whatever extent they're thinking about me. They're, Certainly thinking, well, hopefully he's doing better. And instead, I just fucking threw it all away. And, you know, the, the, the betrayal that that enacted towards my ex is nothing to be shared in this format because it's, it's her story. And I don't, I don't, I don't have the right to be throwing it out there even as ecumenical as I can approach it. It's not mine to tell, but I did did wrong by her. I, I put her in a situation that was very, I was very selfish in her need to focus on herself in that moment, specifically the next day, the next day she needed to go do some personal things that had to happen, had to take place and required an ability to trust me and to rely upon me. And I, yanked the rug out from both uh, under both of us and by which I mean I yanked the rug out from under my children and from under any sense of confidence that she may have begun to ever have with me again and and it, there's an argument to be made that she never ever I never ever regained that confidence from her and you know especially then I I didn't deserve it and and I wound up I wound up That Monday, right, the Monday after Easter, I wound up uh, driving around with my kids in the car while I was blacked out, right? And I, I was arrested, and my kids, thankfully, were able to be taken by my, my ex's uh, partner at that time, and, and she was able to come get them, and I have these, like, flash 
images of her coming to pick the kids up and the kids are all wet and cold because we were at swim lessons at the Y and, and I'm driving around in the minivan apparently unable to remember how to get to the fucking Burger King which was also silly because I was supposed to be taking them over to have dinner with that person who wound up coming to pick them up once the cops came and I mean I, I was a wreck I got out of jail the next morning I knew she had come and rescued my kids. And, you know, because in that moment, those kids would have wound up and I, I don't know. I mean, they, they do something with kids when their parents have to go to jail. I, I assume they go to like a foster thing or I, I don't fucking know. I don't want to know. I don't ever want to be in that situation again. I'll tell you that. But I got out of jail the next morning and I just fucking took off, man. Took off. I hid 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 away I, I knew only one of my friends knew where my girlfriend lived and uh, I didn't tell that guy that's where I was and I just went and hid at her house and she went out of town just coincidentally I don't remember what the fuck I, that, that's one of those like weird coincidental timing things like she was leaving town like that day or something she bailed me out of jail and then had to leave or some shit I don't I don't know I, I I guess that's part of why I was hesitant to begin this because I also don't want to turn into a drunk log. Um, mainly because I feel incapable of doing a drunk log without getting all melancholy and making it seem super heavy. Because it is heavy, but it's also 11 years ago and it's also not sitting on my chest anymore. I'm not looking at it on a daily basis. I'm not sitting in that guilt and in that pain and in all of that shit. <clears throat> Not actively, and not because I'm a petulant fuckhead, but because I have walked through it, and I have changed, changed, well, I want to say everything about my life, but I'm too fucking analytical to be that, to be that broad and sweeping, but I've changed so much of my life that, that I'm not that person, I'm for sure not that person anymore, I, I, I can't. I can hardly recognize who that was at that time. You know, I'm not in that level of denial. I'm not in that that level of self-hatred. I'm 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 not a fucking active drunk, right? That's the big one. I'm not a fucking active drunk and I'm not in early sobriety where I'm still trying to precariously make my way through 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. <sighs> Thankfully, I'm no longer doing that. And, um, you know, like I said, it doesn't weigh on me. It doesn't sit in my subconscious you know, my unconscious uh, uh, state where, you know, the few weeks preceding my birthday and, and to be honest, the few weeks preceding Easter before my birthday uh, is where it all starts to really kick in when it kicks in and when I'm, I'm you know, when I start to have a, a sense of like, why am I, 
weirdly agitated. Why do I feel this need, really big need to just go sit in a meeting, even if I don't feel like contributing, even if I don't even feel like being there, but I feel like I need to be there. Like what, you know, I've got enough sobriety under my belt to register. Oh, 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 that's that. Whatever it is, like I can't put my finger on it. If I can't figure out what it is, it's that. It's that, it's that agitation that just kind of sits there and, and, I don't know how to define it exactly, and I don't think it needs to be defined exactly because it is what it is, and it it doesn't need to be given any more or less weight than that. It is the pre-anniversary, I was going to say blues, but it's more agitations. It's the pre-anniversary agitations, and I'm not sitting in them now. And, and frankly, I, I woke up this morning Easter Sunday, 2020, and, and I felt good. I felt, you know, I felt rested. I mean, that's one thing about this kind of physical isolation is I'm, I'm getting a lot more sleep. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. I'm, I'm watching a heck of a lot more movies. You know, I'm catching up on movies that I've wanted to see. I, I, I haven't felt, I haven't felt like, I haven't felt that sadness and the emptiness that used to really, really weigh on me and that I used to spend an inordinate amount of time trying to escape from, you know, the, 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 the emptiness that I tried to fill. I haven't felt that, you know. On the whole, I've been okay. On the whole, this this whole isolation thing, it's just been another experience, right? And and my last solo episode, I, I talked about how like the isolation stuff is a trigger for me, as as it is for so so many of us. But and and that's part of why I would have anticipated being more unwell right now than I am, right? You know. got uh i guess 10 days my sobriety date is april 22nd and today is sunday april 12th <clears throat> so presumably i will remain okay and in the same state of just like kind of just living my life right like my last solo episode was still fairly early in on this and i didn't feel a sense of routine or regularity about all this and in this isolation stuff this physical distancing and that was bothering me and, and it's been a few weeks now and, and it it feels routine right like that's uh one of those blessing and curses of being a human is you can kind of get used to any activity as a regular activity, right? Like even if it's abusive and destructive, you can get used to it as being a regular thing that you just deal with, right? Not to put physical isolation on that scale, but it just as a reference, right? Like, yeah, this is lame. It's not what I like. You know, it's another weekend where like Saturday at 11 o'clock or nine o'clock, I'm like, oh, weird. I would normally be like itching to go you know, have dinner out and go walk, especially as it's getting nice. Go, go walk around downtown, check people out, go out dancing with my, my girl. But, uh, instead I'm, uh, 
I'm going to eat some more smart food and, and watch another cool movie that I've been wanting to watch for years, you know? Ooh, French cinema verite, you betcha. I wish that was facetious. You know? That's, I think, part of why I really do feel okay, you know? And, and I don't know, this, this is just me talking, right? Like, I don't, I don't want to have some kind of deeper message I, I, or I don't know if I have a deeper message I'd like to share but I don't really have one right it, it other than I guess it's okay to be okay um and and for me sitting you know on, on the precipice of of my 11 year anniversary which bummer you know I typically try and make a an extra effort to go to multiple places where I I I, you know, multiple meeting locations that I attend through the year and try and hit them all on this, on the birthday week. And I'm not going to do that this year. I mean, I might do it virtually, but it's not the same thing. And the, the big difference being like, I, I like to collect coins. I like to collect coins. Um, and I like to share at each one of those during that, that week. You know, I, I, I typically go to as many as I can during the week of my birthday because because I take it serious, right? Like like I was alluding to a little while ago, right? Like preceding that drink, preceding that stay at the Walker Center, I wasn't taking it seriously. I wasn't I wasn't present in my sobriety. I wasn't present in my life. I wasn't present in my recovery. I just wasn't present. And I am now and and I do know my sobriety date and I do understand what that means and I do know that people need to hear it people need to be aware that it is possible it is possible to get 11 full fucking years of not only not not only not drinking but of not being that person who feels the need to destroy themselves who feels the unable to function without some kind of a distraction without something to fill that void or you know all all of the romantic bullshit i can use to describe what it's like to be in the middle of of active active uh, addiction and what it's like to be in that sense of 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 hopelessness right like all of that shit i i it is possible to live in this world and still be able to not live like that, right? Like, I I still live in the same town. I still see all of the places that I was destroying myself at that, that have haunting memories that would be triggering and are triggering if I'm not, you know, present in my body and I'm not, like, whatever, full of enough nutrients to, to make me feel solid and secure. Like, any number of things that can lead to bad results to, 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 to taking me out to any, anything you want to call it. I'm still here. I'm still walking around this same little plot of earth, but I'm different and I'm better and I'm, I'm okay. So yeah, it's important to, for me, at least I feel it's important to, to share that with people. And yeah, this is a little bit premature, so I'm potentially going to be recording another podcast by my birthday on my birthday even that will repeat a bunch of that bullshit so maybe i'll hold it for then i'll hold it for then you guys i'll hold it for then um but yeah the message today on the <laughs> on the day that he has risen 
I, I started this with this vague idea that maybe I would make an allusion to like the similarities between the Jesus story and me, my story, you know, cause I've, I've come out of it and I've risen, but I, I couldn't do it without sounding super blasphemous and as ridiculous as I find all of that stuff. I don't, I don't want to put off people by not, not too badly. I mean, hit me up privately if you want to hear my opinions on a lot of that stuff, but <laughs> Plus, I was just trying to be funny about it, and I couldn't come up with a way um, other than, you know. I, I, I do want to point out that the biggest bummer right now is that I'm alone in my room, and there's no one around to see just how amazing my hair looks today. You know, I haven't been able to get my hair cut for, you know, I did six weeks now, and so it's it's wild and beautiful, and it's the biggest, that is the biggest shame the biggest down th- downside of all of this physical distancing is the inability of me to share my wonderful hair with the rest of the world right now. But I suppose we'll all live. Anyway, I don't have a lot more <clears throat> I wanted to say other than, you know, other than that, you know, I'm I'm okay. This is... This has traditionally been, especially those first few years in my recovery, this weekend, this day specifically, has been a tough day, a day where I had to spend a lot of my time trying to journal and meditate and even simulate praying, right? Like, I I would have called it praying because I knew that was what you called it. I never felt like I was praying. I'm still not sure what that means other than... I don't know. Praying and meditating seem like basically the same thing, just a way for me to get quiet inside of my body and become present and and aware, aware of my position in the universe and in the world around me. And when I'm doing it and I'm really, really quiet, I can become aware that I can become aware that I'm not aware, which is very esoteric. But, um, and, and not just esoteric, it's, it's, uh, contradictory and it doesn't make any sense, which is part of why it's so hard to hold on to. And it's not worth discussing here, but it is a way that I would try and find peace in the middle of those previous years, those previous Easter's when I would be agitated and, and, unhappy and you know and sad about the things that I had done and the things that I had caused in my life and and you know the the Easter being an, a reminder yearly a yearly reminder that over the years and of sobriety and active recovery and actively modifying who I am and the way I approach the world and what I do with my days and how I how I handle my stresses and all of the things all of the changes I've made has made these Easter's less, less, less and less severe to a point where 11 Easter's later, I can tell you I'm, I'm doing okay. And, and I hope, I hope you're doing okay. I hope, I hope whatever day you're listening to this, you're doing okay. And, and if you're not, I hope you can find a way to find that piece that that I just randomly and, and very 
weirdly described of like finding quiet, finding meditation, whatever, whatever, whatever works for you, praying, if that's what works for you, writing in your journal, taking a walk, whatever it is. I hope you can find a way to be okay, even for a couple minutes, right? I mean, sometimes it's all we can get, right? In early recovery, that's all I could grab onto. And I, and I just had faith that if I grabbed onto a moment of being okay, that somewhere in the near future, I could grab onto another moment of being okay. And then I could step from one moment to the next of feeling okay and and remaining calm and, and not flipping out. And, and again, have faith that if I cobble together a handful of those in a row in a couple of days in a row and a couple of weeks in a row and it would just continue on and and as long as I could find a way to find that moment of okay it would pro- progress into several moments and I could eventually be looking back at years and say hey I'm 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 I guess I'm okay I'm doing okay and that's not to be confused with I'm cured or I don't need to worry about anything. It's just in the moment, I feel okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I have to share with you guys here, Easter Sunday 2020. And uh, if you want to you reach out and say hi or comment or make suggestions of stuff to talk about or, or if you just want to talk about something with me, whatever. You can find me on Facebook. I'm open to Zoom conferencing if you're down, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, I, that's off the cuff. I've never actually just kind of done that with anyone, but what the hell. If it's, you know, something that suits your fancy and the timing's right, sure, why not? Um, you can you can contact me on the contact us <laughs> portion of the ease-drop.com, eavesdrop.com podcast network. Uh, and... Um, I hope you're uh, I hope you're doing okay and I hope that uh you're making it through this physical isolation. I feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel even if that light just keeps getting pushed back a little bit further all the time. It's still going to be there. And uh you know, you can still be there. I mean, the odds are you will still be there and you can still be there sober. You know, if if that's something that you're really not sure of, I can tell you right now. You can be there, and you can be there sober, and you can be there and be through all of this and remain calm and remain complete and present and sober. And, uh, you know, I hope that you can. I hope you do it. And if you don't, it's okay. You know, life will go on, and, and you, you can you can. You can make it out of it, right? You can make it out of this. If you're in the middle of a relapse, you can make it out of it. It's not the end of the world. Or at least it doesn't have to be. I guess a better way to put it. That went sideways there. All I wanted to say was, you know, I, I really hope that you're enjoying the rest of, you're enjoying your time as best you can, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Drop.